Trey DeFranco, this is your potential moment for redemption. Do you have anything to say to the people? Mr. Beach is the best YouTuber ever. Let's have McDonald's for lunch. Cut! You don't want... Are you with the director? <laughs> yeah. You don't want Mr. Beast Burger? I like Mr. Beast Burger. You, have you ever had one? Never. Do you want one? Yeah. Okay. It, wait, wait, wait. Final question. Is Daddy a better YouTuber than Mr. Beast? Mm. <laughs> he just shook his head no. Because he out like $25 million every year. I can always start again. Make another kid. Ooh, that feels great. All right. Love you. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button, subscribe, do all the good stuff to feed the algorithm gods, and let's just jump into it. And first up today, let's talk about our douchebag of the day. There was a lot of backlash with this story. Tons of people sending me this video of an anti-masker in New York. The now viral video showing him getting into a confrontation with an older woman who said that she wished that he had gotten a fine for not wearing a mask as he's required to on the subway. She then has to ask him to get away from her, and then this happens. With a man then going on to make similar comments to people coming to the woman's defense, getting in their faces, also telling them to sit the fuck down. With the video going viral, we saw the backlash growing, the anger growing, even the acting head of the Metropolitan Transportation Authority calling the guy a jerk. This also resulted in a number of people working to identify him, including a number of TikTokers who were known for reporting these kinds of terrible people to their workplaces or other groups that they're associated with. Eventually with this situation, we saw TikToker Savannah Sparks identifying him as 27-year-old Ryan Bartles, saying that she also found his mom and sister and told them about his behavior. Also at some point saying that he worked at CarMax in Virginia, so she reached out to them in case he was still employed. After that, CarMax actually made a statement saying that he wasn't an employee. But then after pushback from internet sleuths who claimed to have found information suggesting otherwise, CarMax clarified that he has not worked at the company since May of this year. But to be clear, as of right now, Bartles has not made a statement confirming or denying whether it is or is not him, though his LinkedIn page has been deleted. And now as the story has grown, more people getting involved, they're saying that he also attended an anti-vax mandate rally in New York City the same day that he acted out on the subway. But main point to the guy in this video, go fuck yourself. You're a trash person doing trash things and you belong in the dump. Who gets in the face of and yells at and tries to intimidate an old lady because she wants you to just please do the bare minimum. She's like literally in the group that we're most trying to protect. But hey, ultimately that's why you are our douchebag of the day. Then, you know, it only feels right to follow up our douchebag of the day with our bamf of the day. And that is a story about an alligator attack that happened at a kid's birthday party. There's a video of the whole thing. You have an alligator handler that then gets manhandled by an alligator. Pulling her in as all the kids at this five-year-old's birthday party are watching. And then, I'm surprised you can't hear the clanking, a man with balls of steel jumps into the exhibit, gets on top of the alligator, he's wrestling it. This guy over here, I don't know if he's trying to distract the alligator by doing like a mouth puppet. <laughs> handler then is able to pull away, get out, and then the man is just like, on top of the alligator going like, okay, what do I do now? Until ultimately he's able to position himself and get away. The fantastic news here is thanks to this man's quick actions, the, the handler was taken to the hospital, expected to make a now full recovery. And wow, I would like to think that I would do the same thing, but uh. But you, the man who has now been identified as Donnie Weissman, you did, and that is why you are our BAMF 
of the day. Also, as it turns out, his timing could not have been better. According to Lindsay Bull, who's the Gator's handler, who by the way is named Darth Gator, <laughs> she said that just before Donnie jumped in, the alligator was ready to do a death roll. But also, it turns out Bull herself is somewhat of a badass herself, telling the Salt Lake Tribune, I told my buddies that now Darth and I are literally one because he's got my blood running through his veins. <laughs> Just wow. Then in unexpected business and entertainment news, we had OnlyFans going no nudity. But before you godless perverts freak out, this is not a crackdown, but rather an expansion, an app called OFTV that exists in addition to the X-rated nudity type stuff. And largely, this appears to be an effort to expand its marketing and brand awareness. Cause uh, OnlyFans, not broken. It is hugely popular, reportedly reaching 120 million users, $2.4 billion spent on content in 2020. But according to a recent report from Bloomberg, they want to appeal to a wider variety of creators like podcasters who can simply use the platform to release paid for content the way that you might use a Patreon. And so with this, while the main version of OnlyFans is not allowed in places like the Apple App Store, they're taking OFTV, right? OnlyFans TV, and it will be available on iOS, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, Android devices, and more. But like I said, no explicit content, but that also means that it is free of charge, it has no advertising, and it's essentially a big marketing tool. Pushing out series like Unlocked, which includes interviews with major creators on the platform like Mia Khalifa, Bella Thorne, Tyler Posey, Holly Madison, and many more. And saying the series includes unique conversations and segments with each person. For example, you have Mia Khalifa playing with 3D holograms, talking about why she started an OnlyFans. Also seeming to aim at a number of verticals, including fitness and sports, wellness, cooking, podcasts, music, comedy, and much more. Now, as far as if this will be successful in bringing in more mainstream creators rather than kind of more risque content, who knows? I'm personally a believer while a lot of progress still needs to be made, uh, the world in general is far more sex positive than when I was uh, much younger. But it wouldn't be taboo or risque for someone that's kind of more PG to be on OnlyFans, even though there, there's a lot of sex workers on the platform as well. But also, you know, with this story, I'd pass the question off to you. If more PG creators jumped onto OnlyFans, would you follow them there as well? Or no, do you have reservations? Are you worried that you're gonna have to explain the OnlyFans charges, even though you're only supporting PG creators? I don't know, I'd love to know your thoughts here. Then let's talk about the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, right? The same agency that sued Blizzard for a culture of sexual harassment, now lobbing another round of accusations against a different video game developer, Riot Games. And specifically here, saying that Riot failed to tell its employees that they had the right to speak to government agencies regarding workplace harassment and discrimination. But it was also more than just failed to. Uh, according to the DFEH, Riot suggested employees could not voluntarily or candidly speak to the government about sexual harassment and other violations. And so as a result, the DFEH has asked the court to compel Riot to send out a company-wide notice informing its employees about their rights to speak up, saying that even if those employees have non-disclosure or non-disparagement agreements, they are still allowed to report potential abuses to the government. And notably, this latest move comes as Riot has faced several reports of harassment and discrimination over the last few years. For example, back in 2018, Kotaku reported a very similar situation to that of Blizzard that female employees had been harassed, mocked, and routinely passed over for promotion. With two employees later that year filing a class action lawsuit against the company for gender-based discrimination, leading to a $10 million settlement distributed among female employees who had worked at Riot between 2014 and 2019. In fact, Riot's CEO was previously accused of harassing a female executive assistant. However, a special task force reportedly found no evidence of that following an investigation. Now, with all that said, a court actually granted the DFEH's request over two months ago, but the reason we're seeing this news now is because the DFEH claims that Riot still has not sent out that message. Though, in a statement to The Verge, Riot denied the claims that it ever included language seeming 
threatening to bar their ability to talk to the government, also saying that notices are being sent to former employees to confirm that riots, severance agreements have never in any way prohibited speaking to government agencies. With Riot also saying that it plans to send an official response through the courts today. So we're gonna have to wait to see if that satisfies the DFEH's request, or like with Blizzard, the DFEH eventually comes back with even more disturbing allegations down the line. But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, Noom. You know, I started using Noom months ago to help develop healthier habits, and guess what? I finally feel like I've found something that's worked for me. I'm down 12 pounds, I'm feeling better, I'm making progress to where I wanna get. You know, I'm not feeling as sluggish and unmotivated as before, which then causes me to spiral and make not the best decisions for myself. And you know, Noom stuck out because it's a new and different way to lose weight, get healthy, and achieve your goals using proven cognitive behavioral therapy tools and practices. And I've been realizing the more that I got into this, the more energy I've been getting. And with tons of articles and real life coaches to support you, it's basically empowering you to strive for progress, not perfection. But main thing, start thinking about what health goals you're trying to achieve, and then head on over to trynoom.com slash Phil and try Noom's 30 second quiz for free to create a truly custom program for you. Then in COVID news, we have the Biden administration reportedly working on a plan to give COVID-19 booster shots to Americans eight months after they received their second jab. And those third shots could start to be offered in mid or late September. Now, uh, officials are expected to make the official announcement as early as this week, but the, the news is already being reported in places like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Associated Press based on information from unnamed sources. Right? And then it's also coming after experts have reviewed case numbers in the U.S. as well as the situation in other countries like Israel. And if this plan actually happens, first boosters are expected to go to nursing home residents along with healthcare and emergency workers. Then uh, what would probably follow are older people in the general population, similar to the initial vaccine rollout. But, uh, you know, ultimately this news isn't completely surprising. There's been a lot of talk about potential boosters. Also, the U.S. already recommended boosters for immunocompromised people last week, but still people are thinking about the World Health Organization because they have called out and called on wealthier and more vaccinated countries to hold off on booster shots until at least through September, arguing that making sure enough other nations get their first jabs is more ethical and more effective at controlling the pandemic in the long run. But still, we've seen the White House previously defending boosters by claiming that the U.S. has already done enough on vaccines to give third jabs here while still giving more than 100 million doses to other countries. Also, in kind of a connected story, and it's kind of weird news for me to cover because I actually was in this school district. Uh, the Hillsborough County School District in Tampa, Florida has made national news because they have ordered 5,600 students and 300 employees to quarantine yesterday amid an outbreak of COVID-19. Notably, this comes less than a week after students returned in person for the start of the school year. And as far as confirmed cases go, currently there are around 730. And one of the key things that people are pointing to with this story is that while the district said that it had originally planned to implement a mandatory mask policy, it stopped short of that after Governor Ron DeSantis signed an order preventing mask mandates. However, with this new shit show in play, the district says that it now plans to hold an emergency meeting tomorrow where it will discuss the possibility of implementing a mandatory face mask policy anyway. Something that several other districts in the state have already done and something that many people think is necessary. Right? Florida right now is seeing a record-breaking number of new cases daily, even more than this past winter. Also seeing record hospitalizations, near record deaths. In fact, with nearly 17,000 people in the hospital for COVID, Florida accounts for nearly one in five of the country's total hospitalizations. But it's also not just Florida. In Tennessee, where cases and hospitalizations are also on a very concerning rise, we saw Governor Bill Lee signing an executive order yesterday saying the parents can opt their kids out of school mask mandates. You've also got Texas actually now requesting five mortuary trailers in anticipation of an overwhelming amount of COVID deaths. Oh, and good news for those bothered by that news, or at least somewhat of a consolation, an update to a story about yesterday. Bear County, which it is called, even though it has an X in it. Yeah, I mispronounced it. I saw your comments. But also to the Texans bothered by my pronunciation yesterday, just to know that the Texans I have on staff will now be fully barred 
from all Whataburgers for the next 10 years. Yeah, Bear County, or I guess as some people call it, Bear Country, they actually won a court battle against the state and will now be able to legally impose mask mandates, at least for now, despite Governor Greg Abbott's mask requirement ban. Also in related news, but a really kind of the opposite reaction and response, we're seeing New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announcing a nationwide lockdown after the country was hit with a single confirmed case. And notably, it is actually the first locally transmitted COVID-19 case in the country since February. The lockdown will be at the country's strictest levels for the next three days, which means that everyone must stay home and businesses will be closed outside of essential services. The case in question stemming from an unvaccinated 58-year-old man from Auckland, the country's largest city. Reportedly, it also traveled to other parts of the country, leading to the possibility of a worse spread than otherwise would be the case. And with this, as it turns out, one of the particularly concerning things for a number of people is that while New Zealand has done an amazing job of keeping the virus out, its vaccination rates are not great. With just 20% of the population vaccinated, meaning that if the outbreak were to happen, it could potentially spread incredibly fast. We also had the Biden administration announcing yesterday that starting in October, food stamp benefits will rise nearly 30% from pre-pandemic levels. So we're talking about the largest permanent increase to the SNAP program ever, which means billions and billions of dollars into the pockets of people in this program, which actually feeds one in eight Americans. So currently eligible households receive an average of $121 per person each month, but with the expansions in place, that'll mean an average increase of $36 per person. Now supporters of the increase say that it will help reduce hunger, improve nutrition, and lead to better health in poorer communities, especially since stats show that three quarters of households exhaust all their benefits in the first half of the month. In fact, as the New York Times notes, researchers have linked subsequent food shortages to problems as diverse as increased hospital admissions, more school suspensions, and lower SAT scores. However, critics have argued that the plan, which has a $20 billion price tag, is just too costly to be sustainable in the long run, and arguing that it'll motivate many Americans to just not work and instead just collect benefits. But uh, the reason that we're actually seeing these changes are twofold. One, they stem from a law that was actually passed by a Republican Congress back in 2018, though there are several Republicans have argued that the law was written under an assumption of cost neutrality. However, that law didn't actually specify whether or not to increase costs, though it did require increased standards, which is why, too, the plan also includes a new breakdown of how Americans on SNAP can use it for a healthy diet. SNAP actually until now is still modeling Americans' grocery diets off of a model from 1962, only ever adjusting it for inflation. Which is also why we're now seeing Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack saying that a modernized food plan is more than a commitment to good nutrition. It's an investment in our nation's health, economy, and security and added. The additional money families will spend on grocery helps grow the food economy, creating thousands of new jobs along the way. But a big final thing, for those of you that are watching that are SNAP eligible, the actual increase that you're going to see will vary state by state. So I'm going to link to a guide down below that's going to give you a better idea of what you're actually going to see depending on where you live. And the final thing that we're going to talk about today are a few updates regarding Afghanistan. Right now, as I briefly mentioned yesterday, you have the Taliban essentially saying the Taliban of 2021 is not the Taliban of 2001. The New York Times noting the group's leader took to Twitter, appeared on international cable networks and held a news conference, all to provide assurances that they would not engage in systemic retribution and to offer vague reassurances to women, with a spokesman saying, give us time. Also noting that today, the chairman of the Taliban's military commission reiterated orders that fighters in Kabul should not enter people's homes or seize property, but also warning that the Taliban would be collecting weapons and government property in an organized manner and that looting state property was a betrayal of the country, adding if anyone is caught, they will be dealt with. But also while you have the Taliban saying this, you have many who are skeptical and some just outright calling bullshit, noting that one of the standards out things with the Taliban is their brutality. Also, the UN Secretary General saying that his organization was receiving chilling reports of severe restrictions on human rights. Also, while there has not been widespread bloodshed, which was one of the fears of the Taliban rushing into Kabul, there are beliefs that this kind of smile and wave tactic from the Taliban will be short-lived. Right, we have the Pentagon now saying that the Kabul airport is secure, evacuation flights have continued. There are people saying, well, yeah, why would the Taliban attack now? If you want America and all these people to get the hell out, why would you attack them and give 
give them a reason to stay. Wait for them to leave and then do the horrible shit that you want to do. But also, yes, there are some that are cautiously optimistic. Right? It's generally believed that Russia and China will recognize this leadership as the official leadership of Afghanistan. The U.S. also at this time not completely knocking that off the table, saying let's see what the Taliban's actions actually are here. At the same time, we're seeing big lockouts as well as big hauls. Right? Giving us headlines like the Biden administration freezes billions of dollars in Afghan reserves, depriving Taliban of cash. But also at the same time, Taliban accumulate massive amounts of U.S. supplied firepower. Right? We're talking guns, ammunition, helicopters. So regarding the high-tech weapons like attack helicopters, some have argued that it's entirely possible that they won't last that long because they don't have the knowledge or the parts to maintain them. But at the very least, you could say not a great look to see them parade around all that U.S. gear. And at the very least, I imagine as we get closer to the 2022 elections, expect that in a ton of attack ads. But yeah, that's where we're going to leave it for now. This is a big, messy situation. I feel like we're just going to have to try and chip away at it as time goes on. But the question I want to pass off to you with this story, now that you've kind of had 24 hours since we last talked about this, how are you feeling about Afghanistan in general? But ultimately with that story, I would really love to know your thoughts on that or really any other stories that stood out to you today. Let me know what you're thinking in those comments down below. And hey, while you're doing that, maybe hit that like button, subscribe, all the good stuff that feeds the algorithm God to make sure this news and common sense gets out to people. But with that said, of course, as always, my name is Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you tomorrow.